Hannah Garcia joins the show. We're going to talk more about the Nuggets championship as well as what's the biggest threat to the Nuggets next season. This is Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making this your choice for a listen today. Appreciate you making this your first listen, especially you everydayers that are here with us, joining us every single day. Appreciate all of you. You can find us on every available platform, including YouTube, where you can find a live version of the show. Just hit the old like button, subscribe, and you can join folks like Dr. Van the Strand and Alexander Pavicevich. Hanging out with us in the chat segment, as well as Leo Clayman. Irwin's in here. Lots of folks. Dragutin, again, in here. Dragutin's been with me the last couple of days. So lots of folks hanging out with us here on a Wednesday. As we today, we'll talk some more about the Denver Nuggets and their championship run, because I just don't think we can get enough of it. you got to celebrate these moments when they come by. And our guest week continues with Jenna Garcia. You can find her on Twitter at Vita Viva Diva. She's also on Instagram. I'm sure she's got a Threads account. I'm sure. Do you have a TikTok yet, Jenna? Is there, is there I have a TikTok, yes. <laughs> okay, she's got a TikTok. Follow her across all those. Uh, she's a contributor over at Clutch Points. You've known her work over at Denver Stiffs. She has been covering games for, gosh, when did you start covering games? Five seasons ago, so 2018. 2018, and so she sits next to me at Nuggets Games. My esteemed colleague, Jenna Garcia, joins us today. We're going to get into all sorts of questions about the Nuggets, uh, getting to know the players, uh, her approach to covering the games, and more on today's show. Want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com/slash/locked on today to get started. So, Jenna, um, I want to have you on. I've been asking. I had Katie Wenji on, and I had uh, Zach Bai on uh, tomorrow. By the way, is going to be Vinny Benedetto from the Colorado Gazette. That's going to be tomorrow's show. So, I'm having lots of folks that were around for this run that have seen the rise of this team and the experience of, of covering the championship run. Um, a lot of questions to kind of get into here with you. I want to ask you. I've asked this of the others, and I think it's an interesting one for everybody. What was the moment where you really felt like you were like? oh, like this team could really do it. Like they could really win the title. Like this team could win the title. What was the moment that you kind of think that you knew that? I mean, I have been a big proponent of remaining positive way before this season even started. I thought, you know, that bubble team could have very easily won a championship. And the probably the moment this season when I really realized that this team was going to win was Christmas Day. Christmas Day game, I get a chance to chat it up with a former Nugget. I'll just, we'll just say that. I don't have to name names. But this guy was like, first of all, I can't believe we blew up that that bubble team. Second of all, Jokic is so much better than that bubble year, that season, that like, I and this is his exact words, if he wants to score, he will score. If he wants to win, Nicola will win. And that means, like, when he said that to me, it was like really – me kind of realizing like just how powerful and dominant Nicola is on the court. Not that I didn't before, but to hear another NBA player now used to play with Jokic, now playing against Jokic say that to me, it was like an eye opener. And then shortly after that, actually January 20th, shout out to my little sis. It's her birthday. Mm. I remember this game specifically because it's my little sister's birthday. Nicola doesn't play that game. They're going up against the Pacers and Mm -hmm. it's dunk city all over the Pacers. Like 
dunk after dunk after dunk in a row against the Pacers. Jamal has a triple-double in that game. And after the game, Jamal's like, I've been trying to tell you guys this for years. We have a whole squad here. It's not just Nicola. And like those two moments kind of combined very close together, right? About a month apart from each other was like, they're going to do this. Like in my head, I was like, from then on, I was not going to doubt them anymore. Like I watched them. I think they beat the Pacers that night by like 30 points <laughs> without Nicola. And I was just like, I'm not going to doubt them anymore. Like I really believe Jamal, it was like a little glimpse of what we could get from him, Aaron Gordon, MPJ in the playoffs. And I just thought I'm not doubting them anymore. I wish I had I'd written it down. I was walking out of the arena after Nicola did media with uh, Brendan Vote over DMBR. And he and I just kind of looked at each other after after like everything was kind of done. I forget what game it was. And we were just like. This wow, this team, like we were just like this, this team's something. And it was actually kind of interesting because um, it's important, I think, to always appreciate the fact that people pay hundreds of dollars for tickets that we are given. Like we are given seats at the arena. Now, like. I work right. Like I'm actively covering the game and I'm analyzing and I'm writing oftentimes um, and doing post game interviews and, and doing it for the show and everything. So it is a different context, but like, I try and appreciate that. It, it does get to you. I think a little bit like the course of 82 games, there's nights where you're just like, all right, here we go again, playing the, I guess the Blazers here. All right, let's see, you know, <clears throat> but this team was so good. That stretch from December through the end of January through all-star that it was like it's it folks were saying in the media room like it's easier to go to these games uh it's a joy to come to these games because of how well they were playing and it really was kind of evident um which if anybody's in the comments is like so why did you turn around in march good question i will never be fooled by their march basketball again that will not happen i will not do it promise this time um i had this question for you i sent it over to you in the rundown that i think is an interesting one i, I think you're one of the people um, that I could think of that I really wanted to get their thoughts on this, which is teams have identities, right? It's not just, it's usually just like we talk about teams. I was like, I oh, remember they had X, Y, and Z players, but there's like a, a way that teams play and an identity of what they are, whether it's the 2000 and uh, like 12, no, the 2011 heat, which lost in the finals, their entire thing was like business, business, business. And honestly, like they never let any kind of joy in the room. And it's one of the reasons I think that they lost. Um, the Warriors in 2015 had a real like exuberance. Like there was a real, it was like somebody finding all the things that they could do. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on when you look back in five, 10 years, what do you think is the identity of this team that won the championship for Denver that you'll remember? I know like outside of Denver, probably this sounds ridiculous, but if I could think of one word that describes this team, I would go with underdogs, not because like, cause they were a one seed. That sounds ridiculous <laughs> to say, right? Like how could you be an underdog if you're a one seed? But I just think like nobody, I can't tell you how many times I heard this season, Matt, that the regular season didn't matter. Right. That, and, and you said it, I think the other day on one of the shows, whether that was with Katie or Zach, but you know, like, History says you have to be a top three seed to win a right. cha NBA championship, not a top three seed like that. Those seedings come from the regular season. So it does matter. And I kept trying to push that narrative and how much it mattered that they were a one seed. And yet it didn't matter. NBA today. I know we talked about this when it first happened. I came to you and I was like, what's up with NBA today? They're all said that like 
I, I forget at what point we were in the season, but it was kind of wrapping up the regular season and NBA today comes on and they're like, well, if the lake, if the nuggets catch the Lakers in the first round, they're, they're toast. Every single one of them. And I yeah. have the clip the on hand my TikTok. raising. Yeah. The hand raising. <laughs> exactly. They all raise their hand. Every single one of them. It's on my TikTok. If you want to follow there, it's the same handle Vita Viva Diva. It's on there. Like Malika raises her hand. Funny enough. Uh, Tristan Thompson raises his hand and then he ends up playing for the Lakers in the series against Denver, which I'm like, how did that work? Uh, Exactly. But yeah, it, I feel like they were underdogs, like no matter what they did, no matter how much they proved, no one really believed in them, whether that's because Jamal wasn't playing to the level he did in the bubble during the regular season or whether it's the injuries, it just felt like they were the underdogs. Um, I don't know if that continues. Like that's been a theme that they've been riding for like several seasons now. Do you think that goes into next season? Now you win a championship. Can you really be underdogs anymore? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it, it, it's funny that you mentioned this because Zach by mentioned also like the, the, uh, the discourse around the nuggets being surprising. Like there is, there is still a remnant of this. I think is going to carry over and it's going to be, Nuggets fans are going to still continue to feel disrespected and everyone's going to be like, you won the title. Everyone talks about you. I will say, I will say that I feel like things change after the title because mm-hmm. now like everybody's like, well, okay, like it's the Nuggets and they'll still talk about the Lakers and they'll talk about the Warriors. And there will probably be people that say like, well, I'm picking the Warriors or the Lakers or the Suns or the Clippers or whoever, like they'll take those teams but they will do so kind of as a counter position to the nuggets. They took them before. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, there's a little bit of that hanging in there as well, but this is kind of thing is like, now there'll be like, look, obviously Denver's the favorites. They're the champs, but I will take X. And like that, that shift in discourse, I I think will happen. Maybe it won't. Maybe we'll be right back to, yeah. Okay. The nuggets won, but like, you know, uh, come on. And we'll see how it goes because it wasn't just that they won. It was how dominant they were with the 16 and four run. I think that that's going to change a little bit um, of how the things are discussed on the other side. I want to ask Jen about her favorite memory from covering the championship run. She was along for, uh, I think almost all of it throughout the, the various travels across uh, the Western conference and into the finals. Uh, we'll get into that on the other side. Plus uh, a little conversation about getting to know the players uh, because I think Jenna's really good about building relationships in the locker room. We'll talk about that on the other side when we return, but first thing to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook, take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to have the first home run all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus when you win, you can get paid instantly. Uh, I have bets on FIBA world cup, not on team USA. <laughs> I have a bet mm-hmm. on, both Serbia uh, and Germany and a little bit on Finland because I'm a Laurie Markman nut. So I have a little bit of bets on these long shots over on world cup over at FanDuel. There's no better place to bet on major league baseball though than FanDuel America's number one sports book. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel official partner of major league baseball. We'll be right back on locked on nuggets. <laughs> Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. I'm glad to have Jenna Garcia with me in studio, my colleague. She does a fantastic job 
uh, covering the Nuggets. She's man. I, I think about when you started and you are, you were always really like you were good from the start, but you have like, I am always impressed with the questions that you ask and the way that you're able to, you work around things very well. And you're also Jenna also is somebody that oftentimes knows what's going on in the building or in the locker room or stuff that's happening that like, I'm oblivious to like, I roll in after doing like 18 podcasts or whatever. And like, Jenna's like, Hey, did you hear about X? I'm like, no, I did not. Um, <laughs> so Jenna's very much in the know and I appreciate her coming on the show today. Um, so I want to ask you as we kind of wrap up some discussion on the, the championship run, um, I asked like Katie this a little bit. I think I asked Zach a little bit too. What what are the things that you're going to remember most? What are the memories that are going to you're going to hold on to from covering this Nuggets run? The images, the scenes, the moments. What are the things that are, that stand out to you most about covering this Nuggets title? Well, when I saw this question in the rundown, I I still get a little emotional. I won't even lie, Matt. When I think about those moments just after the championship, like after the buzzer sounds as they're getting all of their awards you know jamal joke jamal crying joker with his daughter but i actually have a memory from every single moment along the way so round one okay cb getting underneath slow-mo's skin nobody remembers this but first series the Timberwolves, you know, apparently Kyle Anderson was going to be like their key. Every round there was a key to winning the series, right, for the other right. team. Uh, a key to stopping Nikola Jokic. <laughs> Slow-mo, Kyle Anderson was supposed to be that key in this uh, first series. And Christian Brown just gets underneath his skin immediately. I love seeing that fire from CB right out the gate. I love seeing his teammates. Like, I looked back at the video today. And just watch how like Jamal's like ch like chasing guys around the uh, this little scrum of people. You know, you know they always like get in each other's faces. They're not really gonna fight or whatever. But Jamal was having words and he was backing up CB in that little tiff. So that was my memory from the first round more than anything. In the second round against the Suns, game one, game one versus the Suns, you got. Joker, Jamal, AG going off, MPJ with a plus 29, um, plus minus. So even though he didn't have like a huge offensive game, it was like the first glimpse of like the best version of this team against. And then and that game was so crazy because D book and KD still cooked. They still got their like big numbers and the nuggets just blew them out of the water. That like still gives me goosebumps that game remembering just the peak of their performance, it felt like we were on top of the world right then, you know, as Nuggets fans. I'm not sure if you felt that way at that point, but I was like, bet, I'm betting all of the money. <laughs> I'm putting more money on. I had uh, several tickets along the season, uh, start of the season, midway through the season, but I put more money on the Nuggets at that point. Like, I felt like for sure they were going to win a championship. I think some of the other ones that were notable for me is the post-game locker room after game four was and versus phoenix was they were so calm mm -hmm. there was not like i've seen teams get rattled and be like you know you say like the hey it's we knew it wasn't going to be easy and like and like the nuggets were very much like yeah no they won they played great good for them like that's basically was their thing um game five was such like a, a revelation too of just you know, it's like, okay, the Nuggets won two and then the Suns won two. And yeah, like the Nuggets were in both games and Book had to shoot like 80% from the field in both games for them to win. 
but still it's like, look, it's two, two series and you got Katie and Booker on the other side. And then the game five happens and the Nuggets just come out and they just run them off the floor. Yeah. Um, and that was such like a, okay, we're, we're done now. Um, and yeah. the, the level of a pickup there, the 15 0 run is the other thing I will probably talk about a lot out of halftime to uh, come back from down 15 in game four versus the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, it was, you know, it's obviously it's like to decide a trip to the finals, but just for that team versus that team in LA, you know, with what LeBron was doing and to come yeah. out and have that type of just like instant erasure of just like all of that, that you just did all that hard work. And this was light work for us to come back. That was, I was blown away. Uh, watching yeah. In LA and that was watching. That was really wild. That was like, uh, for me, the power of five versus the power of one. Yeah. Like they, the Lakers just did not get as many contributions from their supporting cast, and the Nuggets did. And that gave me so much confidence, too, because of in, in the Nuggets and the, in the championship, because you're not going to win just with one guy. Like LeBron, yeah. it wasn't enough this go around. And Joker is that one guy if it's going to be anybody, but we just saw continuous contributions from from Bruce, who I wasn't very high on going into the postseason. I didn't know. I wasn't sure about. You remember this? We talked about it a lot. Yeah. Like, you were like, really? Bruce? Like, right when you were high on Bruce, I was like, mm, kind of. Jenna was like, was like, he's a ball hog. He never passes. <laughs> and and it, yet he's not getting assists. That was my issue because I was yeah. betting him for on his assists, taking his <laughs> yeah, over, thinking he's the backup point guard. He's going to get a ton of assists and he would just shoot more than he just drove the fleet to the floor in the playoffs it was that fullback dive i kept talking about just like end to end just being like i'm just we have no we have no way to generate offense without Jokic, so i'm just gonna run from one end of the basket to the other basket and score yeah yeah definitely and you know uh the lakers whole series could be a highlight in my book just all the media it almost felt like there was more media there for the lakers series than it did for the finals so just getting that series just meant so much i think to nuggets fans in general and then you cannot forget the two 30-point triple doubles in the finals yeah. when all of Miami was on my back about how I was crazy and the Nuggets aren't going to win this and that Spostra figured it out and he he knows the key to, to attacking Jokic now. It was just – there's so many different moments, Matt. Yeah. Walking back after, after they officially win, I end up meeting up with MPJ on the court and we walk back to the locker room and he just dumps an entire bottle of champagne on my head as once we get to the locker room and um, that whole thing. I mean, there's so many moments we could talk about this forever. Yeah. Jenna was on Meadow Lark media down in Miami uh, repping Denver and taking all the slings and arrows. So um, <laughs> yes, she, they she called was... me a Homer so many times and I'm like, but everything I'm saying is actually happening. <laughs> I don't understand. They're also better. They're just, it's not a Homer if they're just better. Um, before we take a break, I want to ask you this. You've been, you've done a really good job of main of building rapport with players. Um, you approach them. You've talked about how important it is to like treat, I think is a, is a complicated word because it seem makes it seem like others don't treat them that way, but you stress the, uh, the humanity side of it. And you're also, I think that one of the big things about it though, is that you're not o- overly cloying, right? So you're not, um, you, you still like, 
Jenna asks some of the hardest questions that you're going to, you're going to hear in the locker room. Like she'll go for, she's like, she'll go after the things that need to be asked, whether it's like, if a guy, if, if Malone pulls a guy, Jenna, it will find that player and be like, delicately and smartly hey what's your reaction to kind of like what happened tonight and those kind of dynamics and that's the stuff that you have to do because covering that i think is a really important part of the team um what have you kind of learned about interacting with the locker room in your time as a reporter i think the biggest thing i've learned is that not every conversation needs to have a phone in someone's face you know whether you're recording audio or whether you're recording video not every conversation has to be on the record to serve a purpose to like the greater knowledge of the team um i spent a lot of time from the beginning of my time reporting on the nuggets it see i don't even know where it started because i was not i'm always low on a guy until i get i'm proven wrong i'm always like i'm going in very cautious. I wasn't sure about Jamal Murray at first. When I first started covering the team, he wasn't very open to media when we first started covering the team. Um, or when I did, at least he was very, he would give like some snappy remarks. He still can, but I think he's really grown. He's been a lot more mature. His ego has kind of taken a sidestep out of the way after that injury. And he's very honest with the, with what he says nowadays. And if you ask the right questions, you can really get to know the mindset and the person behind like the basketball, the performance on the floor. And I think because of my history, my, the work I did before in child services and as a teacher, like mental health is a big deal to me. And I don't know if you, if you like don't think mental health is a part of playing professional basketball or even doing what we do where we're in front of a camera and we're like, many, many people can comment on how we speak, how we look, how we dress, um, just anything, right? Like you're constantly available for people to criticize and basketball NBA players are, you know, 10 times bigger stage than we are. And I think it's important to ask about those questions with Jamal from the jump after the injury, I checked in on him. I just like, Hey, where, where are you at in your progress? You know? And I think that that builds a trust between like reporter and I I don't necessarily like talk about it. I don't, I'm not tweeting like Jamal says, you know, immediately after I hear from him, because I genuinely want to know like, how's he, how is he doing? Not, I want to know this so that I can go get a bunch of tweets or Twitter likes or whatever the the case may be. I think I also really built a really good bond with uh, Deandre this year. He out, out of the gate, one of the first games of the season, he sat down courtside with me and I was just sitting there on my phone and he was like, you know, tell me about where you're from. What, what's your history? You know, how'd you come and become a reporter? Um, and I asked him too, like, tell me about Howard. How did you decide to go to back to school? What are you studying? What is it? Why is this important to you? And you just build that foundation of like, you're a human. I want to know about you as a human. And I think that that builds that security with them so that when there is news or when you are asking a tough question, like, you know, how did it feel or how do you build a rhythm after you get pulled and you get put back in the game with 20 seconds left? Like, how do you get back into your rhythm? Those tough questions, they're more willing to answer because they know that you actually have like put in that time and effort and work without just reporting everything you hear. It's not it's not about reporting everything we know. Right. We know a lot more than we say. Yeah, I think 
for me, a lot of the challenge has been that uh, I've always considered their time to be the, one of the most valuable things, right? Because uh, quite honestly, money is not as valuable to them because they have 35 million of it on some cases. But um, in general, time is very important to them. They have constant demands, whether it's conditioning, uh, treatment, media, things that they've got to do, um, playing in a game, warm-ups, you know, taking care of life stuff, all those types of things. And so I tend to be pretty direct. And when, and that's one of the, I think the limitations I've had um, that I think you've done really well is like carving out that time and engaging them on that level, which I think uh, it takes a certain amount of, of confidence, but also uh, also a, a level of, I think grace is probably the best word for it in order to come off as somebody that they are able to trust because that is the biggest issue is that they do not trust media. And I don't blame them for that. I don't have any issue with that, but um, it's apparent. So it's a, a credit that you've been able to, to navigate that on the other side. I want to ask Jenna about what the biggest threats to the Denver nuggets are. And uh, we'll get into a few more questions here as we wrap up with Jenna Garcia, get her at clutch points and on Twitter at Vita Viva Diva. We'll be right back on lockdown nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making this party day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Jenna Garcia hanging out with us on a Wednesday. Tomorrow, Vinny Benedetto from the Colorado Gazette stops by to give me the beat writer review of the Nuggets championship run. We'll get into stuff with Vinny. Always love talking to him. And we'll have more stuff as we continue on Friday. By the way, programming note, doing a mailbag. We're going to do that on Friday morning. So uh, I'll put it on Twitter, but make sure to get your questions in at Locked On Nuggets for the mailbag on Friday. Uh, Jenna, so I want to ask you, um, you know, we've talked about the nuggets run and we've talked about kind of like the process of covering the team. I am kind of curious. Uh, we've seen the warriors add Chris Paul. We've seen the, the Lakers, um, add Torian Prince and Max, or I'm sorry, Gabe Vincent, which apparently mm-hmm. are major moves that were, that weren't an a plus they kept Austin Reeves. So they kept a guy, and that's all of a sudden a, a huge deal. The Suns obviously had Bradley Beal, but they also had like guys like Devin Eubanks, and they kind of reworked the roster. Um, what do you think next season? It can be a team. It could be a factor. It could be an element. It can be whatever. What do you think is going to be the biggest threat to Denver's chances to repeat next season? I mean, I had the Lakers and the Suns, you know, as – I can see what they're trying to do in this off season to combat what they just faced in the postseason, And yet I still think that the biggest factor that will impede the nuggets from repeating. And I call the three P like from the jump. I said, Ooh. I, I think they three P there's still, there's still favorites on um, the sports book. I just checked was like plus I think 475, but they're favorites to win it next season. I would say health is the biggest factor, especially because so Jamal injures him, tears his ACL after the very, very shortened season, right? That's part of that, that part of like the consequence of COVID the COVID year um, is that there was a lot of games pushed together. The Nuggets are a team that have made it, have played like the majority or the most uh, postseason games over the last, like, I don't even know now. It was, Last season, it was over the last, like, three seasons. Now we can add this fourth season because, of course, they've 
played a bunch of postseason games now as well. They've played deep into every playoffs, and now Jamal's going to go overseas and play in the FIBA World Cup, which is awesome. I'm so excited for Team Canada. Shocked you don't have any futures on them <laughs> with SGA and the whole crew that they're, they're sending out there. But I, I would be most worried about the fact how deep they played into this postseason and then um, just next season, the injuries because of Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, we saw his wrist being wrapped like pretty consistently at, at a certain point in that postseason. So I'm, I'm hoping Joker doesn't play for Serbia, not because I, I don't love Serbia, and I, I totally understand what that would mean for Serbian, the Serbian nationals, but um, I'm just hoping I, – I, I want some rest in there. I do think Malone learned last season that he can add maintenance stays in there for Joker and Jamal. We saw that for like one of the very first times, guys sitting. So fingers crossed that they still are up for that this coming season because I really think they're going to need to take it slow, let Jamal kind of ease into the season just like he always does. Um, But I'm hoping that Coach Malone leans on kind of growing some of these younger guys, growing CB, giving Peyton Watson some opportunities, uh, going with even giving like Reggie some some reps, you know, as a backup point guard where Jamal doesn't have to be on the floor for those minutes uh, where because he's been staggering for so long with that bench. So I don't know. I'm very worried about the health. I think that would be my top of my list. Uh, at, I don't think the Lakers moves were like all that incredible. The Suns, I can see like, Okay, I see what you're trying to do, but I still think health is the biggest factor. Yeah, uh, I was talking, I was on a walk with my wife yesterday. We take walks every night, and often it turns into her asking me questions about Denver. And I was kind of talking about how there's a chance that I'm like, I bet the under on them at 54 and a half. That number is just too high. I can't get, I can't get to 54 and a half on the win total there's a chance that I'm wrong because sometimes teams win this title and they were like good. And then the next season they just find like a whole other level, you know, and it's possible that Denver actually does that. They were so good for the, for the stretch, but that's also entirely possible that they were able to, to get there. Um, one thing I've talked about the injuries. I've talked about how important they are. I've talked about the depth. I've talked about the motivation question and all those things. The other one that I would kind of mention is like a threat. And again, it's not really um, a team. I will say that I think the Dallas Mavericks and Memphis Grizzlies are two to watch. I've been bearish on the Grizzlies. And I think that this is probably the season that despite Jaws suspension, I think that they're probably going to be the most dangerous version that they've been this coming season. Um, But from an internal standpoint, the concern I kind of have is about how long can you ask guys to sacrifice? Right. Because everybody sacrificed a lot last year to make that team work and to win a championship. Yeah. There are guys that have career aspirations, whether it's Jamal wanting to be appreciated as the player he is in the playoffs and not just uh, just the guy in the playoffs. He wants to get that outside appreciation, which sometimes that takes a little bit more usage, Um, whether it's Aaron Gordon being like, okay, I'd like to get some recognition for my contributions because I've done all the dirty work. He was really disappointed in not making all star last season. MPJ is an obvious one. The guy's always wanted to be a star. He's always thought he was going to be a star and he's paid like one, but there's probably going to come a point where his career aspirations are going to be not maybe above his commitment to the team, but alongside him a little bit Mm -hmm. more. 
and that can shift shift things. KCP, I'm not really worried about. He's gonna, you know, KCP knows the deal. KCP learned how to like he is sunk to real low depths, and he knows how to like he's a pro at this point. But like yeah. a lot of these young guys are going to be pushing. Like Zeke Naji needs to have a big season in order for him to get paid. Like Zeke yeah. Naji needs to have a big season. Um, Christian Brown may not be. He's got a couple more years but he's got to start building towards those things. So my question is going to kind of be about how does Malone handle all of that when Mm -hmm. everybody's not aligned on, he might luck into just one more year of everybody being completely locked in. Let's go back to back. But that um, Bill Simmons has called it the disease of me. And I do think there's something to be said for that concept. It happens a lot. Agendas are always a constant in the NBA. And so managing all that, I think, is going to be um, are, is going to be a very big element, I think, going forward. So definitely, we've seen this be a, a factor, like with the Knicks in the '90s. We've seen it be a factor with a lot of teams over historically, right? The disease of me is a real thing. I think we talked about this early in the season, uh, Matt, about like how much longer can MPJ sacrifice. You know, how much longer does he buy into that, especially if they didn't win the championship? They did win it. So it is a little bit different now. You know, now guys are like, okay, but that sacrifice like led to something positive, something that I liked. Um, But I do think Malone is going to have to kind of approach this season with a different mindset, approach it with different guys in mind of how he's going to work them into the offense and I mean, Bruce being gone, Jeff Green being gone are, in my eyes, an opportunity for Malone to do just that, to, to work other guys in, to make other guys a bigger part of the offense, a bigger part of the defense for MPJ. Like we saw him do some really good things defensively. Yeah. In tough series. Like Sun, the Suns were not an easy team to defend. And he was a plus 29 in game one. I know that like it varied game to game, but. You know, we saw that and learned, I think, as a as an entire all of Nuggets nation saw like when MPJ is locked in on in a part of the offense, he participates in defense a lot more. So Malone learned that, hopefully, and hopefully that means moving forward, we see a different role for MPJ, um, a bigger role. I think he needs to take more responsibility for what's to come with this team for sure. That's going to do it for Lock on Nuggets on a Wednesday. My thanks to Jenna Garcia for hanging out with me. You can catch her on Twitter at Vida Viva Diva. Is that your Insta too? It's my everything. It's your everything. She's she's <laughs> everywhere at Vida Viva Diva. We'll hit her up. You can find her that tag over on Twitter. Jenna, thanks so much for hanging out with me. Thank you for having me. Tomorrow at 4 p.m. Mountain, Vinny Benedetto of the Colorado Gazette stops by. Uh, we will talk about covering the Nuggets from a beat writer perspective, his thoughts on the team's offseason and summer. We'll talk about all that and more. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again tomorrow with another edition of Locked on Nuggets. Oh.